I should start off this week with a little confession, and it is this. I am a sucker for clickbait, all right? You know what I'm talking about? On your computer, on the, the Facebook, and all that sort of thing. People will try to get you to click on a link to go to some list of some sort, some quiz that helps you figure out, you know, what Disney princess you most look like, because I want to know. And um, they'll have you put, you know, the five superfoods that can help change your life or whatever it is. And then, of course, advertisers just try to get at you the whole time that you're on these lists. And I'm just a sucker for these lists. And this week, I found one that said, funny instruction labels. These are instruction labels on the inside of clothes or when you're assembling furniture or different things. And people are, companies are putting sort of clever, inclusive little instructions that don't really belong, but are put there to sort of amuse and uh, probably themselves as well as us. All right. So I clicked on this and let me just share a couple of them with you. This is on an envelope. Important, do not deliver this envelope to the wrong address. Do not bend, fold, spindle, or mutilate, okay? Do not lock your keys in the car. And then it says, do not wear white socks with black shoes. And that is, of course, just, you know, some junk mail that hopefully they're thinking when you see that, you're going to go, that's so clever, I want to see what's on the inside of that. So you open it up and that sort of thing. Here's another one. This is on a clothing label, giving you washing instructions. Of course, all the ones up front make so much sense. Machine washing cold with light colors. Of course, yeah. Dry in shade, not in the direct sun. Of course. And then you see the big one in green. <laughs> Can be washed by both men and women. Hello. Share the load. Yes, I hear the women doing this. Amen. Absolutely. Very cool. And then the last one that I, uh, that I liked, this was for furniture instructions. And so you're just going through with your little Allen wrench and, you know, whether it's Ikea furniture, whatever it is. And then this was an instruction. Sidestep. Make nachos. Optional but recommended. Isn't that good? Right? And they just put this on stuff, these, these little whimsical instructions that stand out because you instinctively say, hey, that really doesn't belong there. Now, I, I share that with you because last week, Pastor Sean did a great job of sharing with, yeah, give it up for Sean, did an amazing job. And one of the things that he shared last week was the Shema. Everybody say Shema. Yeah, now what that is, we're going to put it up here. This was in Deuteronomy 6.5, and it was instructions from God for the Israelite people. And not only were these, uh, you, know, you know, any old instructions, these were like the instructions, okay? This was like, you've heard of the Ten Commandments, okay? This was even more important than those because this really was the identity. Uh, this was laying out the relationship that these Israelites were supposed to have with God. And the Shema was repeated and known by every Israelite over thousands of years. They all worshiped with this, and it was the following. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yeah, your affections, your connections. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Like your, your body should be involved in this. Your passion should be involved in this. And that is what that they would recite for thousands of years. And everybody knew that. And then Jesus came along and he added a little instruction to the instructions. And it stood out to people. Because what, what Jesus said was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then he said, and with all your mind. 
and all your strength. And every one of those Israelite people would have leaned in and said, your might, that's a new concept. That's something we hadn't considered. What is Jesus doing taking this most important instruction, this, this uh, uh, identifying uh, um, instruction from God, and what is he doing highlighting our mind, loving God with our mind? Well, certainly Jesus knew the power of our mind. Later on in Romans 12, too, it says that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in the New Testament talks about that and so Jesus knows the power of our mind I also believe that part of the reason that Jesus included the mind is because he knew he knew how we would struggle I believe Jesus looked at the people then and also was able to see us and see how we would struggle in this area of mental health and probably also see how poorly the church, the church, has done historically when it comes to addressing issues of mental health. For most churches, if we were um, laying out instructions for mental health, we would be like these instructions for chopsticks, which was on my list as well, which just said, this picture about chopsticks, said the instructions, good luck, okay? <laughs> and I think that's what a lot of churches have sort of defaulted to when it comes to mental health. We are struggling in this area. I'm going to share some statistics with you, and I want you to know that these are statistics from before the pandemic. You have probably heard a news story that has talked about, hey, ever since the pandemic, anxiety is up, depression is up, suicide attempts are up, everything is up, divorce is up, everything is up, and to the right, addictions are up. These are statistics before the pandemic. 46% of people will meet the criteria for a diagnosable psychiatric disorder during their lifetime. That's almost half of us. This is a really sad one, that for every minute of your waking day, someone will attempt suicide in our country. That's just in the U.S. The median delay... In getting treatment for, mental, for all mental disorders, they're estimating at 10 years. In other words, when people begin to start to feel the symptoms of and say, no, 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 I'm fine. And, and someone says, well, hey, it seems like you're dealing with it. No, 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 I'm fine. That there's like a 10-year delay before people will actually seek some professional help some help. So if you are here today or you're watching this online or at all of our campuses, if you're here today and you feel like the world just feels a little heavier than it did a few years ago. If you're here today and you are, you're working through loss, loss of income, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship. If you're here today dealing with anxiety, there's, there's something about walking through life that there are moments where you just feel triggered your heart starts beating faster you're not quite sure you deal with depression where you go I'm not even sure that I want to get out of bed in the morning I'm just having a hard time putting one foot in front of the other if you are like me someone shared this with me and I was just embarrassed at, at how I just went that's me and that's this one if you feel like you're working twice as hard to get half as much done <laughs> 
Anybody else? Like, I just feel like I'm pouring out and pouring out, and it feels like half as much gets done. If you, if you are struggling today, we just want to say as a church, that's what the series is all about, you are not alone. We see you, and we know, and we want you to know that you are not alone, and we want you to know that we understand that, you know, talking about this for 20 minutes from a stage, that's not enough. We know we're not going to fix everything for you in your life. We understand that. This is just the beginning of the conversation. This is to say, hey, we want to make sure we're starting the conversation here so that as you in your family's process, as you begin to get in small groups, maybe a rooted group, or that you can begin to process these issues, that you can begin to find the help that you need. We put together some resources. Uh, we're at a, a, a website called you, you Are Not Alone. Dot .cc. If you want some resources in regards to mental health, go there. Go there and get the help that you need. But that is the why behind this series. Now, one of the things Jesus did in adding that illust- or adding that instruction is he sort of identified four areas of life that become sort of diagnostic checks for how are you doing at loving God? How are you doing in your health? The four little areas that we can sort of diagnostically look across and go, how are we doing here, how are we doing here, how are we doing here, and how are we doing here? I've got a lesson that I've done on 1 Kings 19. This is where I'm going to be. We're going to be looking at the prophet Elijah. And I just want to just introduce you to these four areas, all right? I'm going to be in verse 1 of chapter 19. It says this, Ahab told Jezebel, that's the king telling the queen, everything Elijah, the prophet, had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. You say, well, that makes sense, right? Because if Elijah's putting people to death, then you've got the queen who's coming. But what you may not understand, go back and read this story um, what Elijah had done is there were these 450 prophets of Baal. They, they, were, they were encouraging God's people to worship a false god. And so God sends Elijah there to eliminate these folks. And now he's got uh, the queen coming after him. So I'm going to put you to death. You're going to be like one of them. And of course, it's not just the queen. It's the entire, the entire military of these Israelites are are going after Elijah at this point. And so what he does is he takes off and he starts running. Now he starts running after he's been doing his work, after he's been uh, uh, doing, uh, had this big interaction and conflict with the prophets, and now he's running away. This guy is running and running too far for too long. Too far for too long. I came, uh, before I moved to Chicago, I came from outside of Detroit. Detroit is the car capital of the world. And they understood this idea of redlining. You probably do too if you know anything about cars. It's the idea that when the RPMs of your car, the tachometer of your car starts to get too high, there's actually a section on your tachometer that's red, and, 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 and once it gets into the red line, you know that it, it can be there for a little bit, but if you're there too long, too far and too long, you begin to damage 
the engine. And so what it developed was this idea of these four areas of life that equate with the letters RPMs, 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 relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. How am I doing? How am I doing relationally? How am I doing physically? How am I doing mentally? How am I doing spiritually? And when I sit down to coach someone and I'll ask them, hey, how are you doing? And they'll say, oh, I'm doing great. Busy, but I'm doing great. I will always lean in and I will say, okay, tell me, how, how are you really doing? Because we care about you, not just your productivity. And I really want to know, like, how are you doing? And when I ask that question, I'm always thinking about these four quadrants of life. How are you doing relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually? When I sit down with my kids and I say, how are you doing? When I sit down with my journal and I prayerfully say, God, I'm just going to look at my health. I'm just going to understand the areas of my life. This is what I do. I say, how am I doing relationally? How am I doing physically, mentally, and spiritually? So I want to look at that with you today. And the first one here is relationally. How are you doing with your relationships? Because if you're not winning at home, you're not winning, right? So how's it going? How about your friendships? Do you have somebody that you can connect with? Here's Elijah in verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Remember, he's like, he's redlining, burned out. Right? He's afraid for his life. He runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So what he does in this moment of burnout is he decides to isolate himself from human connection. And this is what we will often do. In the moment when we should be leaning into human connection for support, for prayer, for encouragement, for wisdom, for guidance, for for accountability, we should be connecting with other people. What we do instinctually is we push ourselves away. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm not going to go to small group. I'm going to spend more time by myself. That's what he does. He isolates himself. Go home. I was going to share some studies with you about the effects of loneliness on the rest of your life. There were so much, there's so much research on it, so many studies. Let me, I, I just, I couldn't even pick one. Loneliness, go home and just study it. Loneliness is effect on. Do that and watch what comes up on the Google. All right? Can lead to sleep, uh, disrupted sleep patterns, elevated blood pressure, increased cortisol, which is the stress hormone can affect your immune system, therefore making you sick, contributes significantly to depression, anxiety, and a host of other problems. It's one of the reasons that we're talking about Rooted so much, and we're talking about groups around here so much, is because you need to be connected in healthy relationships. Without that in your life, you can, you can move on into, into despair, you can slip into even greater depths of depression and anxiety. So much so, look what happens with Elijah. He's by himself in verse 4. It says, while he himself went on a day's journey by himself into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Just take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors And then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. Do you see the depths 
he's gone. The guy's burned out. He's been running too fast for too long and now he is isolated and he's slipping. And we need to stop just for a moment and say suicide attempt rates are on the rise and you need to know, I mean, with the number of people that are listening to me right now online at our campuses, there is someone right now that is listening that is contemplating suicide as a solution. It's not. It is not a solution. I'm so grateful we now have the hotline, the 988 hotline. If you're not familiar with that, you're familiar with 911 in an emergency. If you or know someone that's dealing with, with suicidal thoughts, 988. You call that and 24-7 there's someone available to help you. And I will say that our church is always ready. You call our church and we want to help you in any way that we can. It is never, never the right next step. Well, that's what Elijah is contemplating. That's where he's at. He's got this despair going on in his life. And then the humanity of the prophet uh, 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 seeps forth. He's exhausted and he falls asleep. And then the verse says this, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Didn't say get up and pray. Didn't say get up and go to church. He said get up and eat. He looked around there and by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank and then he lay down. God looked at him and said, you know what this guy needs right now more than anything else? He needs food. His body has such a craving for water, for food, before he can do anything else, before he can talk about relationships, before he can talk about uh, uh, mental health, all those kind of things, he needs to take care of his body. And so I talk about relationally, how are you doing relationally, and I talk about how are you doing physically. How are you doing physically? Jesus knew this. God knows this. The, the body, the mind, the heart, it is so integrated. One affects the other and vice versa. Depression can come with headaches, fatigue, digestive problems. Anxiety can create an upset stomach. We know this. You get stressed, you can have insomnia, restlessness, difficulty concentrating. Look at the verse, uh, verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched Elijah and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Don't ever skip over repetition in Scripture. <laughs> They didn't have an exclamation point, so when God really wanted to drive home a point, often he would, he would repeat things. Your physical health is so important. So let's just pause for a second. How are you doing with that? How are you doing physically? Are you getting enough sleep? How, how's your diet? How are you doing uh, with exercise? Are you following your doctor's orders? How are things going. I will say this, that if you are dealing with depression or anxiety or any one of those mental uh, um, illnesses, do you know that exercise is one of the quickest, doesn't solve everything, but it is one of the quickest ways to boost your mental health. Did you know that? You go out and take a walk, you can go out and play pickleball, you can go out and do whatever. You don't have to be crazy, but just go out and break a sweat and the next thing you know, you start to feel endorphins. You've heard of this. The runner's high. Endorphins that kick in. And next thing you know, your, your mind is just a little bit lighter. The day is just a little bit 
writer. And so for me, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when it came to the physical stuff is find exercise that you love. Can I just say that to you? Find something that you love to do, that it's not some discipline, not something that you have to do. Find something that you love to do. I was on the treadmill. Uh, I've been going to the gym and being on the treadmill, and I have noticed there is the, a window. At my gym, there's this windowed area, and that is where they do the classes. And every day, about the same time I go to the gym, and every day they've got this class, and all these, it's always like 20 or 30 women are in there, and they're doing, I mean, they do different things, but it's always like they've got the music is pumping in there, and they're going on, and I'm watching this thing one day, and sure enough, when they turned around, one of those women had a beard. One of those women had a beard in there, and I was like, what is, what is that? I thought that was a woman's class. And sure enough, afterward, I thought, you know, what's going on? And sure enough, afterward, here comes this guy out, a big smile on his face, and he's, he high-fived these women and stuff, and, and he was going out. And apparently he comes, I thought he lost a bet or something. But sure enough, he's there every time they have that class. He comes with his wife. He's there with his wife. He's got this relationship. And every time he comes out of there, he's got a big smile on his face. He's sweating. He's doing his Roomba or Zumba or whatever it is. And he's jazzer dancing and all that kind of stuff. And he's just doing his thing and I'm like you go and I'm sitting on this treadmill and all I can think of is Sean why can't we raise money doing jazzer dance instead of this marathon that you've got us doing I am I am brutal I just want to know right now how much how many of you would give money if I would just do some jazzer dance I would I'm just kidding I'm just kidding but find something you love to do because I'm telling you what, that guy is happy every time he comes out of there and I love it. Okay, I should move on. I should move on. All right. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. Now, Mount Horeb is the second peak, uh, second peak of another mountain range there with Mount Sinai. Uh, scholars believe there's a cave in the middle of the two and that that cave is actually where Moses experienced the glory of the Lord. And if you think, you know, am I just sharing that to try to score points with the Bible scholars at Willow? Absolutely I am. Absolutely. I need all the help I can get. That has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to try to impress the really smart people. Okay, so relationally, physically, can we talk about mentally? Uh, it goes on, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now watch, watch what happens here. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. And you put your prophets to death they, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Here's the problem with that. It's not true. It's not true. He says, I'm the only one left. Yet, chapter before, verse 4, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and he had supplied them with food and water. There were, there were other prophets. There were other leaders. And it is so tempting for us in the midst of struggle to believe things that are not true. 
my opinion, I think that's probably what is many times at the root of a lot of mental illness is when people begin to believe things that are not true. I am a failure. No, you're not a failure. You failed at something. Now let's get up and we'll do something. We'll try again. Failure's not a person, it's, it's an event, right? Or for people to think, I am alone. No, you're not alone. There are people that care about you. There are people in this church that would care about you. So I, I, I am not enough. Yes, you are enough. You've been, you've been created powerfully and wonderfully made by a God that loves you. He don't make mistakes. He made you just the way he wanted to make you. He gave you the gifts he wanted to give you. And he has equipped you to do everything that he is calling you to do. You are enough. Don't believe those lies. Someone will walk around and say, oh, there's just no hope. Uh, don't tell me there's no hope. When you have a Jesus that was dead and buried and in the grave and overcame death and overcame sin, there is always hope because Jesus lives. So do not ever believe the lies that Satan would whisper into your ears. I believe uh, Sean talked a little bit about uh, John Acuff's books on soundtracks, that there are these soundtracks that we tell ourselves. This is why it's so important, because the things we hear and we tell ourselves, we allow ourselves to, to ingest those things that are happening in our minds, they literally affect our body. It affects our relationships. It affects our lives. That's why it says in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, what does that mean? What that means is, is that I have to give myself a steady stream against the lies. I have to give myself a steady stream of exactly what is true. And I gotta be honest, like I don't come to church so much to learn something new. And it's fun every once in a while when I see scripture in a different way, or it's, oh, I didn't know that, and somebody shares something. But the truth is, I come in here, I come in here because I just need to hear it, the same stuff, again and again and again. I am not alone. Jesus loves me. I am enough. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I am forgiven. My past is past. It doesn't have a grip on me. The voices of my past do not, are not as loud as Jesus' voice in my life. I need to hear that again and again and again. And why do I open up the scriptures? I don't open up the scriptures because I just need to prepare something for you so I can get a paycheck. I open up the scriptures because in them I have found the words of Jesus, the words of truth. I have found in the scriptures the, the soundtracks that my body that my, or that my mind needs to hear again and again and again. And so I just keep coming back to them because they are words of life. And I encourage you to do the same. So how are you doing relationally? How are you doing physically? How are you doing mentally? And then spiritually. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And I feel like at this point in our lives, we've had political unrest in a pandemic, 
economic impact. But the Lord is not in any of those. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the way I read that is that as if God was saying to Elijah, all of these big, crazy things that are going on in life that, that you would immediately think are the things that direct your life, that impact your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of those things. But through them all, there is a quiet whisper. There is a God who is present through every one of those things. And as those things create in you depression and anxiety and stress, you've got a God who is just sitting on his throne. He's not stressed. He's not anxious. He's not surprised by anything. He's sitting on his throne and whispering true things to you. Are you listening? Are you listening? In just a few minutes at all of our campuses, there will be people who are going to go public with their faith. And in some form or fashion, what they're doing is expressing to you, to, to the world, that they're coming to Jesus for help. They're saying, Jesus, I want, you, I want you to forgive my sins. Jesus, I want you to, to, to be the leader and the Lord of my life. I've tried to do it on my own. And the truth is, is that relationally, I, Jesus, I need your help with my relationships. Physically, there, there are decisions that I make, self-discipline, whatever. There are things in my physical life, Jesus, I need you in my life. Mentally, Jesus, I need you in my life. Spiritually, Jesus, without you, then how do I come to God? You see, because God so loved the world that even though we as sinners turned our back on him, he never turned his back on us. He sent his one and only son to live perfect, sinless life fully God and fully human he allowed himself to go to the cross and to be nailed to a cross to die there as a sacrifice for my sins and for your sins and because he was both fully man and fully God and sinless Jesus has the right to extend to you and to me down through 2,000 years of history, an invitation to say, come and follow me. Come and follow me and put your faith in me and your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever. Jesus would say, on the third day, I rose from the grave. I overcame sin and death and I'm giving you an invitation that you can overcome sin in your life and you can overcome death and live with God forever. Guys, that's the gospel and we are about to witness people going public with their faith in Jesus, if you, at all of our locations, that's a decision you'd like to make today, I want to invite you right now 
Come forward during this next song. Come forward as your campus pastor gives you instructions and make that decision today. We're praying for you. In fact, everybody everywhere, can we pray? Let's pray right now. God, we love you. And Lord, I pray. Pray first and foremost for those who are here that are honestly struggling. And I pray, God, that you would show them whatever that next step is. I pray, God, also that you'd give them the courage to take it. Father, I also pray for those that are, that are watching, that are at all of our campuses. and God, I pray that as you reach out to them, as you invite them into relationship with you, I pray. I pray, God, that they would be bold and courageous and respond. Father, we're praying. We're praying that heaven would rejoice for what's about to happen here today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.